glad you reminded me of it because I didn't write it in the notes, is that that is just, it's really, really hard to type. And you can't it's pronounce really it. It's really hard to type. Right? Can't pronounce yeah, it. It's, ex- not a, it's not a word. Extreme binary package something. Something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's Juan's original name. I update once a year. Do you? How about that? Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Good. No. <laughs> That's not true. That's but okay. We're going to dive into that. We're going to. I want. I want the the angry listen. I want. I want the people that that listen and then get duped. It's like clickbait, but pod pod bait. It's pod bait. Coming up in this episode, Flatpaks back on track. I update once a year. Do you? We enter the void. We age in the void. Tech with a bloke. And we monitor the situation. Welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Leo. And I'm Dan. Dan. Yes. Dan. Yes. We said some things. We said we, some things about Flatpak. We said some things, well, you know, maybe we had some huh. points of clarification. Uh, if, it, if it wasn't clear in the previous episode, I appreciate Flatpak like a lot. We do. Because it, it makes my Linux experience a million times better. Yeah. Because the, I mean, I would still be on version like two of Telegram. Yeah. If, uh, <laughs> I mean, and that's not an exaggeration, I don't think. Yeah, I have to go check the It's a little newer, repo, but, but it's still not new enough. I think you'd probably get the warning that your your thing isn't new enough. I know, I know you do in Debian, all right? So when you install the Telegram application in, uh, in, from the Debian repo, it will uh, give you a warning that says, uh, "Yeah, sorry, uh, your your application's not new enough. You can't see this." Look, I checked. It really is two dot one dot seven. That's not so. Good. I mean, the Telegram I'm on now is like three dot maybe three 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 th- yeah three dot three just came out. I think yeah. It's super new. So I mean, uh, the last episode was in no way meant to disparage no. uh, Flatpak. It was my personal criticism. Of the one thing, the one thing. So some clarification, right? So Phaedrus Leeds, who is uh, who does work on Flatpak, did um, respond to our original tweet, which was and said the the solution is already here. So I, I guess the basic backstory is I had claimed that uh, Flatpak, some Flatpaks do have access to your home folder, and I do believe still that that is true. Some do. And some. Some. Right, exactly. Some, and and I think that's that's part of the clarification, right? So I, I think the way that it came off may have been all, and eh, not all, yeah, but not all. some, and that was really what I was what I was focusing on, because as I imagine, if you've ever listened to this show, you know how much of a tinfoil hat I wear, mm-hmm. and you know how often I like to take digs at NPM for their supply oh, chain geez, attacks. Gosh, and Pi Pi, that's another right. Oh, exactly. So. Flatpak is not immune to this stuff. No. 
No, and well, not, the nothing main... is, but like some are better right. than others, right? Exactly. And and we, it, it's been a point in the community to point out that it is not a lot of times the original developers that put these flat packs together. Mm-hmm. So to say that supply chain attacks don't exist or that that you know this wouldn't happen in Flatpak or that there are already bumpers in place to keep that safe. I mean, the first two are not true. The third is almost there. And that that, that goes to Phaedrus's point. So he says, the solution is already here. A document portal lets apps access files when the user specifically grants access in a file chooser dialog. We just need apps to adopt that tech. Mm. And I feel like I understood what he said, yeah. but because I feel like sometimes I'm an idiot, I asked for clarification. I'm, I'm like, okay, so here, here's an example. Is, am, I, am I thinking correctly? So he clarifies, apps which were written with the assumption that they can access any files in the home directory and, not, and have not been updated since are given home access so they don't break. This was the point where I was like, okay, cool. So I was thinking correctly. Backward compatibility going on there, right? Basically. Right. Right. That that some flat packs, for better or for worse, do have access to your home folder. And could, in a situation where malicious intent is uh, is meant, could mess with things in your home folder. So anyway, he continues. And similarly, some apps are given access to other parts of the file system, but we knew this. And more portals are written and existing ones are more widely adopted, or as more portals are written and existing ones are widely adopted, this will be less of an issue. But there there may still be some apps which need file system access where it's not appropriate to show the user a dialog. So in those cases, the document portal doesn't help and you'd need to still give them access. But Flatpak allows the access to be granular. Okay. So to kind of break this down, what I was what what I what I kind of took away from this is that eventually we're going to end up in a situation where Flatpak apps are going to basically act like uh, act like Android apps in that yep. you know it's going to have this very granular access, it's going to have a a maximum access, and then we can go fine tune that later on if we want. But currently there exists apps that do have access to your home folder, and that is really what I was talking about and not necessarily Flatpak and every yeah, Flatpak application yeah. from every, uh, I don't know, Flathub and then all of the other ones, you know, just the ones that have full access, yep. not through the portals. And, and, and but, that was why I gave the suggestion to go look and see what your Flatpak has access to, whether you right. use FlatSeal for that or some command line thing, you know, what whatever your choice is, just feel free to check it out for yourself so you know you know where it's at right exactly and i think it it in the wider conversation i think it's kind of insinuated that well you should just check on it you should just check and see what you what probably fl- should but i mean it's not like you know i it's not super necessary right i i think i think once portals are fully implemented yep, in, in pretty much everything then you're right it won't be necessary to go right. in and verify that this particular flat pack application does not have access to this particular directory that you don't want it to have access to. Right. I, I it's it's working towards it. I'm sure I, I don't know where we're at in that transition. You know, if we're we're on the, you know, 70% of them are are done and, you know, there's 30% left left, or if it's the other way around, or, you know, I right. I, I don't know where it's at. So it's hard to right. say right I, now. I, 
put a pin in right. it. Right. I think it's on an individual app basis. Some support the portals yep. and have this kind of uh, the proper sandboxing that I had assumed existed. Um, and some applications just don't because they're they they're running on essentially legacy assumptions that just give them blanket access. At least there's a there's a there's a path and a roadmap and everybody's everybody sounds like moving towards that. Right. And and that. So, I mean, I think that's I, the key takeaway. Right. I, and I don't mean this to disparage uh, folks that work on Flatpak in any way nope. whatsoever. We're moving toward the right answer. And I think th- I mean that that's really my only my last criticism. I don't care about the size and this was my only real criticism of mm-hmm. Flatpak, but the fact that the path ahead has already been mm-hmm. decided. We know what we're working toward. We know what uh how Flatpak is going to behave in the future. I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's that super great. That neutralizes in my opinion, that neutralizes my only last criticism of Flatpak at that's it. That's all there is to it. I'm happy with it. Once this is implemented across the board, as if I weren't a Flatpak evangelist in the first place, <laughs> this <true>. would <laughs> this would have solidified my um my love for it. So yep. yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. I'm I'm happy with portals. I'm happy with the way that it's going. I'm excited to see where Flatpak ends up. Seriously, my I, I guess my what I would love to see in in Flatpak is right when Android started to show you the permissions mm-hmm. when you installed an app, it gave you a list. You installed yep. an app and it said, hey, whoa, before you install this app, take a look at all the things that it's going to be able to do on your phone. It's going to be able to access the camera. It's going to be able to access your microphone. It's going to be able to access your files. It's going to be accessed, uh, going to be able to access your contacts. If, if we can have that with flat packs, that would, I, I think, would be the ultimate That'd be um, nice. solution, right? Because, because we have folks out here saying, well, maybe you should just check on what kind of permissions it has. Well, maybe it should just tell me in the first place. Maybe you should do that, too. <laughs> and if if you end up in a situation where a flat pack might need more access than um, than it had originally, I feel like taking the Apple approach of, hey, this thing is about to try and take access to your microphone. Do you want to allow that to happen? Right. And you hit accept or deny. That would be, in my opinion, the most ideal solution. So tell me what you're taking in the first place and then tell me what you want to take after the fact. Right. And, well, and to that you know, point, Android's doing that now when you do an update, right? If there's permissions changes um, you know, that happen on an update, it's saying, hey, look, it didn't have this before and now it's going to, um, right. you know, hey, you know, take, take note. And I think that's good too. Yep. So... Uh, Phaedrus, thank you so much for uh, for the clarification on that. I'm excited to see portals be added to every application. I know that's the developers, uh, the the person that creates the flat pack. I know that's their responsibility yeah. to to update their stuff and be able to take access to the portals and stuff like that. But I'm excited for them to do that so that I don't have any more reservations. No matter how tinfoil hatty they are, I right. don't have any reservations about running a flat pack uh, anymore. So thanks. Thanks again. I appreciate that very, very much. So something that you touched on a little bit there with flat packs, and uh, that's like you, you, you like up-to-date applications, right, Leo? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, give me, give me, give me all of them. So all the time. you're on a, an Ubuntu LTS release for your main machine in, in Linux Mint, right? I sure am. 
How often do you update? Um, I don't know. Maybe like <laughs> okay. All right. Well, do you do that like once it, a week? Uh, uh, every other week? Once a month? E- I mean, I mean, okay, all right. For, I, for no, the no machine... knock against you. I'm just curious, no, right? Because it's an LTS release. You aren't getting a ton of updates. You get some. Right. Um, to, most... uh, enough to appease the tinfoil hat inside of me. Right, because there's security updates typically that are coming through there. They aren't feature updates. Right, um, and I'm on Mint, so I'm under no illusion that, that these updates aren't coming from Ubuntu or something like that. But, but yeah, but you, most of them are, right? Unless it's, uh, you know, you're your browser or something like that, then that's right. not coming. Yeah, right. Mint, Mint tends to do Firefox and Chromium themselves. They got their own but, thing. But, I mean, yeah. the, the vast majority, like when I see something like libssl come down, I know that's not Mint doing that. I know that's right. Ubuntu's yeah. work and Upstream's work, right? I mean, it's not just Ubuntu's yeah, work either. Because They're backporting it. Yeah, they're pulling a patch in and, and making right, it. Right, right. Yeah. So, all right. So, it depends is the answer. Uh, okay. It's the most, it's the most weight, hand wavy answer that any person in IT could ever give you because that's the answer to every question ever. It's kind it of depends. a good answer, but, right? So, all right. So that's your desktop. But what about your servers? Are you running like Ubuntu LTS on those? Probably. Oh, I didn't think we were going to bring those into this. All right. Well, so here, no, here, here, I want to know okay. it all. I want to know everything. Right. And, and we. <laughs> so for this workstation workhorse, I don't care what happens to it so long as it works kind of thing. I sure. probably update. Anywhere between one and two weeks, once every okay. one to two weeks. On my desktop, it's probably every to every other time I sit down in front of it. Okay. Um, if it's a kernel update, I probably won't reboot immediately. I'll reboot okay. whenever it suits me, but I will take in other updates and things like that. And and that's so so. I mean, I sit I sit down at that thing every day. Every day, I might okay. skip a day, but I mean, pretty much every day. So, so I would say. One to two days is as long as I'll go. Yeah, so on, that's getting it like three main... times a week, probably, right? Right, right. So then uh, on my servers, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> once a month? That's fair. Like, I think that's fair, honestly, unless you know something yep. like uh, recently the log4j exploit thing came down. Oh, and, the, and you know you're oh. running that, right? So you're going to rush out there and batch that Look, up. Look, I'll. All these folks playing Minecraft aren't running out there to update that. Probably I mean, hey, not, whatever. but you would, knowing whatever. you and your tinfoil hat, where it's a line. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're kind of keen on that, right? But most, yep. if, most if, we'll say most servers, once a month probably is yeah. Yeah. kind of typical. Yep, right? once a month. Okay, so so I'll break it down. Once a month for my servers, uh, sure. pretty much just when I remember is is kind of when that happens. Yeah. My, my workstation, once every one to two weeks, and then my desktop, Pretty much all the time. So, you know, once a day, once okay. every couple of days, okay. something like that. I'm, I'm very up to date on that. Plus, on that on that same desktop, I tend to run um, all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, uh, I've got Endeavor on it. I'm playing Void with yeah. it. Um, so, I mean, you know, those, so, those tend to be faster moving anyway. All right, so, so you yeah. said Endeavor. Are your Arch-based distros, are you updating those more often or once a week? Or what do you think? I mean, honestly, once every couple of days is is pretty much it. I, I don't I spot. don't seek out the updates or anything like that, but Endeavor does remind you every now and then, hey, sure. there's you know 150, 150 something packages you need to update. I'm like, ah, cool, all right, fine. Let's go ahead and do that or something like that. So um yeah, yeah. My main desktop is just it, it rolls all the time, regardless of what distro it's on. Um, okay. it just it's always it's always getting updates. Everything else, less. So what about you? Um I 
I wait for the little notification thing to pop up and say, "Hey, you got some <laughs> updates there." And so I usually right. I usually click on that when when it when it does prompt me. If I know it's a it's a kernel update or something like that, I'll probably push it off until the end of my day or you know, potentially the beginning of my next day, right? Cuz yeah. I, I know I have to reboot. So I'm I'm going to kind of let that slide just a little bit. Yeah. The other ones if if I know I don't need to reboot and it's something it's just a something that's getting an update i'll do that right away i don't i don't mind um i usually i usually read through the list um um of what it wants wants to update and uh i go from there i I make my decision on that based on knowing what um you know you know the how critical that is and, and and how how much of an exploit that could potentially be servers i'm I might be a little more frequent than you potentially, but it's just I'm in tune probably with it. Probably because you remember more often. <laughs> I'm in tune with it a little bit more at work, right? So I'm doing it probably yeah. every two weeks. I might go a month, depending. But you know, also I've I've got an eye on you know the really critical things that are that are coming down. And oh, so I mean, if, if if something like that happens, I and I know it affects me. I'm I'm out there probably the next day or two. Take look, a look my, at my Ubuntu servers, uh, well, wait, I said that backwards. All my servers are Ubuntu, so I guess right. my Ubuntu servers, right? That's all of them. Yeah. If I hear on the Ubuntu Security Podcast about something mm-hmm. scary, yeah, you, you better believe that same night I'm going in and updating everything. Yep. So, yep. Okay. right, there, there, there are exceptions to that rule, obviously. Uh, just as with Caden Live, you know, that, that might make me wait on an update. If um you know if I if I hear about something that that is particularly egregious, I'll speed that process up a little bit to make sure that I'm secure. But a lot of my servers aren't even really internet facing anyway, so it's not really that I'm mm-hmm. that I'm you yeah, know yeah. directly affected. But I still don't want to change it. I don't yeah. want to do any of that kind of stuff. So the, the the reason this came up is because there was a conversation today in the in the Biddle Telegram group, and um so that brings my next question. Um, do you have any, uh, anybody in your family or close friends that you, you support their machines and they run Linux or no? Uh, one, my daughter's okay. machine. Okay. Uh, and then my, my little retro gaming machine are really the only ones that I support outside of the stuff that I use all the time. Okay. Um, and on, let's, oh, let's, let's go with a little hypothetical though. Ask, ask me when the last time I updated my daughter's machine was. Well, when was that? It was like four months ago. <laughs> four months ago. All right. Fair enough. No, that's Whatever. a good question, right? Still it, works. It goes right in tune with this. Like, say <laughs> say you were going to, you know, uh, give your aunt uh, Linux Mint or something. And, um, you know, how often would you plan on trying to go over there and, and update her machine for her? I wouldn't. I would, I, would, um, I would script it to where it would update by itself. Okay. And I would tell her, like, you know, whenever you think about it, just reboot. Yeah. You know, whenever, and then you know, it's, it's good that that way. That way, it'll be fast. It'll always stay fast. But right. honestly, she doesn't care about kernel updates, so it's more of a you know, this is a, a silly way for me to get you to reboot so that you can get yeah. the latest and greatest kernel updates that are definitely applied. Yep. Um, they're just not they're not running yet because you haven't rebooted. Right. Right. Okay. No, that's fair. That's good. Good answer. Good answer. Um, cool. That falls right in line with the whole conversation that we had over in well, over cool. in middle and. Uh, I guess we. I'd like to hear from you, uh, the listener. Yes. What do you do for updates? Um, you know, in in those different scenarios, because I think they all have different merit, and um, 
depending on what you're running and who who's running it and who's paying attention to it, uh, probably has a different cadence to it. Well, there, there's the one person that installed their Linux distro and then closed that initial, hey, you got updates box, and then never thought about it again. Hey, and I know. And then you have the this... opposite extreme. So it's the person that sits there and is like, well, I haven't updated in 30 minutes. I should, I should get my updates. Yeah. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's those that, you know, see the, see the thing, you know, and they, they're, they're clicking it just as soon as it, it, you know, shines up in their face. And then there's the other ones that, found out a way to disable that so they never see it again and and haven't updated ever. I I know, I know there's people out there that don't update, don't ever check, don't version update, don't, you know, regular update, none of that. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of curious, yeah. what, what do other people do? What do you suggest? And, uh, you know, how would you support, you know, somebody in your family or friends? I, I, I mean, to be honest with you, what, what I would say is, I mean, just script it for yourself, but... Mm -hmm. Um, put it on a desktop and then just have it to where you can double click it and it'll run. I'm going to say something really controversial. Yes. Um, I think windows was right. And what I mean they by that. They don't let you, right? They, they, they mm -hmm. apply those things and don't let you get away with, without doing it. And, uh, and Ubuntu has done some of that too. And they got just mm -hmm. as much flack for it. All right, Dan, are you ready to enter the void? I am ready to enter the void. Oh, man, this was an entire month of surprises. I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't look into void. Before we get started on this, full disclosure, never have I researched anything about void. Yep. Never installed void, never ran void, never anything. So this was a full month of exploration for me. Yep. Uh, so, so full disclosure on my end, the only thing I actually knew about Void was a couple of years ago, we sat down and did a interview on Mintcast with uh, somebody named Velaturn, um, who is part of the the team that that handles Void. And cool. I learned a lot about what Void was about, but I didn't learn anything about how to use it or, right. you know, anything like that. So, so again, I mean, the whole experience itself was, was very new to me. I mean, the, the, obviously it's still Linux underneath, but I mean, how yeah. to handle void and what it does is, is new. So I was, uh, I guess I'm, I might be spoiling a little, but I was happily surprised. It was by... exciting to learn. It really was. Yeah. Because it is different. Yeah. It gave me those Slackware vibes back in the day for mm -hmm. multiple reasons, but the 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 biggest one being that I learned a lot about things that I didn't mess with a whole lot before this, mm -hmm. and I I very much appreciate that about Void. Mm -hmm. So, all right, it's time to dive in. Yeah, you ready for your history lesson? I, I, yeah, we'll take a history lesson on that. That sounds good. Here we go. Original. Take note. Original developer. OG. was Juan Romero. <laughs> Pardines in 2008. So we'll probably refer to him by Juan or by Extreme, spelled a little weird. Check the notes for that. Yep. And uh, so it, one of the two, if you hear either of those, it's this original person. So the site is now voidlinux.org and uh, voidlinux.eu and voidlinux.com have been dead since at least 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the base system, independent, not based on anything. It is the thing. So desktop environment. If you had to choose, it would be XFCE because they mint an XFCE ISO. Right. There are no other GUI-based ISOs. There is an ISO that comes with nothing and yeah, yeah. kind of gives you the arch treatment yep. where you got to figure stuff out and then start the installer. But yeah, if there is a desktop environment that is a flagship for Void, it's yeah. XFCE. So that means the file manager is uh, Thunar. Their package manager, XBPS, as far as I understand, the only distro that uses XBPS, but makes sense because the X stands for extreme Juan's handle. So right. yeah, extremes binary package system is what that stands for. They're currently on the 5.15.8 kernel. And while that may change before the time that you get this in your uh, podcasty appy thing, um, that's current. Oh, yeah, because it changed, and I just wrote it a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so originally we had 5.15.7, and that's tr that was true at the time that we put the keys in there. <laughs> but right now it's 8, so that, that happened recently. Display Manager, again, because XFCE, yep. Light DM. Display Protocol is X11, but Wayland is there as well. Um, project uh, Members is, we have a list. There's a whole they're list. They're all on we GitHub. Yeah. Absolutely. So go check those out. There's a there's a handful of folks that make sure that void continues to run. And since 2018, I mean, they've been putting in a lot of work. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. But we got to start 10 years before 2018. We got to start about 2020, 2008. Let's pretend that I said 2008. Yeah. So September 26th. All right. Before we really get started, September 26th is really actually not the the inception of Void. It's just that we could not, and that's going to happen for the next four years, Yeah, get a lock on it, quite a lot. Even a little after happens. that. Yeah. Once, once 2012 hit, then- Got a little then, better. You know, right. But it wasn't, I guess it was probably about 2014, 2015. Yeah, 2014, 2015, that, we really found a lot more, I think. Right, 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 right. So, all right. So 2008, first thing that we could actually verify was September 26th was the first Git import of Void packages. So you could say this was Void's inception. This was the birth of Void. But as we know, things were happening in the background prior to this. So we know that it was earlier than that, just that September 26th was the very first time that we could verify that that actually happened. Mm -hmm. So. It was originally intended to be on platforms uh, ARM v6, ARM v7, which if you run a Raspberry Pi, you know about those. Uh, and of course, 32 and 64-bit x86 architecture. So, I mean, you know, your and my laptop, unless yes. you're running an Apple M1, which probably don't have Void on just yet. But soon. Anyway, one yeah, of the maybe. bigger reasons that Juan started Void was to experiment with his own XBPS, which was a replacement of package source. Which is something that Dan, I wouldn't say privately, but um, you know, conversations in the public between you and I that don't ever make it to the show, kind of <laughs> we talked about a little bit because we ended up talking about Hello System and FreeBSD yep, and have. how to you know how to create packages, um, because Juan was originally a NetBSD Net yep. developer. Mm -hmm. So of course, a lot of the a lot of the preferences and uh, ideas that come out of BSD 
are obviously going to make it into yeah, void. And yeah. that's proven true over and over again. It so, is. again, up until about 2012, the history is a bit scarce. So hang with me. Yep. Hang 2009, on. August 17th is as far as we can tell. I know it existed before this, but as far as we can tell, the birth of XBPS, the first Git import of XBPS happens on August 17th. So unfortunately, fast forward to 2010, a bit of a dead end, I guess. When you tickle the search engines, you can get void Linux things like like the little flakes and crust and crumbs yeah. of void being a thing. But throughout the entire year of 2010, I couldn't find anything. Nobody wrote about it. Um, not n- nothing, nothing from Juan that I could see. The forums that did exist at some point do no longer exist. Yep. Uh, which some we'll get into in a little bit. But yeah, 2010 just seems like a bit of a void for void. <laughs> uh, I had to do it. I had to do it. Anyway, 2011, another scarce year, but June 25th is the first system D commit in void packages in the GitHub for void packages. So I have to presume because I do not know what they were using prior to system D. Because if system D didn't exist in void packages prior to this, then they must have been using something, but they weren't using run it. Probably sysv init. Yeah, maybe. My my assumption is, yeah, sysv init, because everybody that ran a BSD or anything else really kind of enjoys sysv init for, I don't know, the punishment, but whatever. Well, you had to start somewhere. Why ever? (laughs) Yeah, why? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I started on sysv init. I, I, I. Can't say I enjoyed it, but, you know, yeah, right. I, I got used to it. I, I learned to write a few scripts, startup scripts and things like that. Okay, I say write, but I mean steal. Oh, um, absolutely. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, I assume sysv in it, but again, I cannot verify that that is the case. So, okay, again, ass- assumption. But now, fast forward again to 2012, and now we start to see a yeah. little bit of stuff happen, and we can start to see there's a little bit of stuff being written about Void Linux. But again, it's a one-man show up to this point, and yep. Juan is not really one of those folks that likes to go out there and write a blog post about every time he sneezes. So nope, it's just not there. Anyway, that we could find. Maybe it is. Maybe someone can point it to it, point point us to it, and we can we can add a little bit to this one day. But I couldn't find it. Nope. So anyway, May tenth, the first bit of actual primary source news. They start writing their own news, and this is really where it starts to take off. And it's also kind of the beginning of their popularity as well. So it seems like once they start writing, and isn't that the case with all the distributions sure. that? Um, that get mainstream coverage is once you start writing about yourself, right? People are going to pick you up. So that, that happened. Um, XBPS source. um, They had some issues with uh, Chirrut where they just kind of got rid of what you would think of as like the arch Chirrut. And they created their, um, their, their own kind of solution for that. Uh, And XBPS source is really just meant to build things from source, not do the Chirrut stuff. Um, a journal D switch. So their commitment to system D. You say, Leo, they use run it, not system D. Well, dear listener, yeah, hang on. not always. Yeah, right. They were system D. So uh, for, for quite a bit. 
So as I mentioned in 2011, right, they started to commit system D to void packages. Well, it turns out that in 2012, that system D is the main init system. Right. So uh, they they make some changes to uh, to journal D. They were using prior to this log rotate and syslog daemon, which were the 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 bits that handled all of your logs. Right. And then they swapped over to journal D. Well, you're using system D. Why not use journal D? They tend to be related. So, yeah, they right. does go together. So at this point, though, one one bit of digging that I did do that I did find was that Void didn't actually write your logs to disk. And this was weird to me because yeah, why? Yeah, so put them all in memory? Right, right. So, I mean, essentially, or, I or guess like in Or or something. Right. And then it would just get, you know, wiped every time. So. Well, it sounds like you fill up I your memory, though, too. True, and you end up in a situation where after a couple of reboots, you don't know what happened prior, and so if anything goes wrong, well... You cleared all your logs, so it's running smooth again. Huh. (laughs) Anyway, so 2013, now we start seeing a lot of development. Uh, They they added more work to support systemd by aligning logging groups with other Linux distros, so they still had... They were still using, like, ADM. Yep. Oh, boy, that's, that's old school. Right, exactly. So you would be in that group if you were able to look and edit logs and things like that. Yep. Uh, you were not if you didn't. And so they moved to the um, the newer system D group associations that are associated with obviously logging and things like that. So May first, you see muscle. Then November eleventh in that same year, you start to see the Raspberry Pi is supported. That's a so, long time ago. Right. But the way that that particular article is written, it's that this is an update to the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. But that insinuates that the Raspberry Pi had been supported for quite some time prior to this. So, you know, again, I can I can absolutely say beyond a shadow of a doubt that in November 11th, 2013, the Raspberry Pi was supported. Yeah. But again, the way that it's written, it must have been before that. So... Just interesting little tidbit. They've they've had Raspberry Pi support for a very long time. They have, yeah. Then, uh, for those of us that like to wear a tinfoil hat or get warm fuzzies whenever security is mentioned, XBPS gets RSA encryption support, which adds validity to the repository. So this way, doesn't matter what the man in the middle decides to do, because this thing has RSA support, you get to verify that the package is what the package says it is by the time you get it. So if... Cool. There were some, you know, mean things happening on the wire. It wouldn't matter because the package would be rejected because right. it doesn't sync. It doesn't match up. Then on December 12th, 2013, KDE 4.11.4 is available. So um, the downside to this, though, is that while KDE has been supported, uh, a lot of the software wasn't. That just wasn't in the repositories. So, hmm. but you'll see that as we go along, more and more people take interest. Um, sure. And Juan just kind of does a lot of the heavy lifting and just makes it happen. Um, but yeah, so so mm-hmm. KDE tends to be one of the earliest distros that is touted as, well, a void um, desktop environment. Desktop environment that is touted as the void desktop environment. Um, then you see a couple of days later, Cinnamon Desktop version 2 is wow. available in the repos as well. So, hey, a desktop that I tend to enjoy. It must have still had a little GNOME 2-ish feel to it. Yeah. No, it really did. It really did. So then we get there. 2014. 
this I think is uh, at least as far as my job and Dan's job collecting all of this stuff is concerned. This is the year of the Void Linux desktop. This yeah. is it. This is where it got a lot Because this is when all the stuff happens. All the all the decisions, all the things start happening in 2014. So January 3rd, uh, users are encouraged to create their own XBPS repositories. So you have a, a post that kind of explains how to do it, uh, who to reach out to for resources, things like that. So user outreach. And to be honest with you, this is probably the thing the the initial spark that just created a snowball of people yes. understanding what void is uh getting curious about it starting right. to run it wanting and, to get on board yeah absolutely yep, exactly so xbps we see another update um seeing the preliminary work to bring muscle compatibility to xbps and void so again this is this is part two mm -hmm. so muscle was brought in a couple years ago then yep. now xbps supports uh dealing with muscle and that i think is kind of the that's the major catalyst right there i think that was the last thing that needed to happen um before we can really start looking at muscle then you see uh the cutie board which is an arm-based board as well as the odroid u2 and u3 are now supported platforms. This is all still in January, by the way, at the beginning of the year. So, yeah. so you get what I mean by this is but, just that, the beginning. A, yeah. Then uh, February 1, the new official repositories are born thanks to Jan Schreib. And those live at repo.voidlinux.eu slash current. Don't go there because uh, wait till 2018. We'll talk about it. <laughs> then March 6th, in a um, in a bid to get some gamers on board, start testing stuff. The Steam client is available now yep. in XBPS or in the uh, in the Void Linux repository. Yeah, in, in the packages. Then April first, which um, yeah, that's well, it. There's there's an announcement. Void's dead. It's dead. This episode is over. Go ahead and turn off your podcast catcher right now. I'm just kidding. But you are recommended. Uh, note the date. April 1st, you are recommended once you drop Void to just move over to uh, Babian. And that is the Justin Bieber version of Debian. <laughs> hmm. April Fools. Yeah, uh, you know, well, we talked about that a little bit with Arch. Arch did a couple of April Fools yep. things too. So they it's sure did. Nice, nice to see someone else, uh, you know, also partaking in, in the fun. Yeah, exactly. So as far as Steam is concerned, one of the things that I think that uh, a lot of people, especially Ubuntu, as they dealt with um, an issue a while back about 32-bit libraries is concerned, um, you need 32-bit libraries to play a lot of games, and you need 32-bit libraries to handle Steam. And so on April 18th, Void Linux makes a commitment to multi libraries, uh, multi-architecture libraries, 32-bit yep. and 64-bit stuff. So that support is now available, which means that Steam today works just fine. Still works, yeah. May 5th, um, the, the new repos to match that um, multi-arch uh, multi library situation, those are brought up to speed. Then June 27th, they kill it. System D, it's dead. Done. Long live run it. That was the day. So, of course, SystemD is still available as an option. They're not just yep. going to take it out from under you. They did But They left it there. Now, yeah. yep, now you're in a situation where you got to baby it. 
there are some packages that are not aware of systemd in the void Linux repository, which means that you're going to have to fix it. Mm-hmm. If you want systemd at this point, you're going to have to deal with the package incompatibilities or inconsistencies between run it and systemd and stand it up yourself. So run it is now the default init system from here on out. So June 29th, a couple of days later, the work to move to Libra SSL mm-hmm. is yep. complete. And um, it's default now to avoid issues like Heartbleed, which is something we talked about in the last episode, uh, yeah, what we, we made a mention of. And yeah, I mean, this really touches on the BSD roots of the project because this comes from the Suckless project mm-hmm. and stripping down stuff. And if you wanna, if you wanna learn a little bit about what Libra SSL was all about, why it was created, go check out the Valhalla Rampage. It's openssLrampage.org. But they essentially go into the reasoning as to why OpenSSL is not the future why Libra SSL is the future and what they've done to the libraries to make it suck less. Then September 2nd, the Mate desktop is added. 1.8.1 enters nice. the void. Then November 3rd, Dan, you're going to like this one. Mm-hmm. LXQT is added. So they started with uh, 0.8.0. Well, those are early days. Must Yeah, say. they are. <laughs> they are. And then December 12th, you get BeagleBone and BeagleBone Black platforms are now supported as well. So lots of shucking and jiving, changes happening, things added, big decisions being made all in 2014. That sets the tone. 2014, I think, sets the tone for the the rest of it. Yeah, I think so too. All right. So let's go to 2015. We kind of just skip over January, move on to February 21st, DistroWatch adds void Linux to the site. They don't write anything about it. It's just on the site now. Right. And well, that's the, you hey, can hey, look, look it up. I made it moment, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right? So um, then a day later, Raspberry Pi 2 support is available. But get this. The Raspberry Pi 2 hasn't been out for even 30 days at this point. Holy cow. It's just there. So... Uh, I know that other projects have gotten on that pretty quickly, but it's Ooh, just sure. commendable at this point that Void, as small of a project as it is, as much of the stuff that it supports as it does, gets on the Raspberry Pi 2 as fast as it does. It's it's just quite impressive. I, I think, think so. And fast forward to June of the same year, Void Linux images built with muscle are available. What's mm-hmm. mm, a muscle? Still, yeah, still available exactly. today, too, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. So if you want, if you prefer the speed of compiling everything with Muscle instead of glibc, well, June fifteenth, twenty fifteen was your day because that was the day that it became super easy to get a Muscle version of Void Linux on your system without having to compile everything from scratch. It's mm-hmm. amazing. November tenth, another little fast forward. Wiki.voidlinux.eu is born to take over the wiki that was originally hosted over at GitHub to improve searchability. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, searching through a bunch of different stuff on GitHub is not my idea of a great time. It's gotten better over the years. Wikis on GitHub aren't the greatest, but they are, you're right, they are better. They still aren't the greatest. Right. As well, you get forums.voidlinux.eu for the exactly the reason that you'd expect a forum to exist, right? To ask questions. I went on there. Of course... Of course, the pinned top 
uh, topic was show us your desktop. <laughs> oh, well, yes. I don't know of a forum out there that doesn't have that thread. Of course. So you'll find this link in the show notes, but not at this point. It is referenced in other bits of the, uh, essentially, of, of this whole map of the yeah, time. Yeah, you'll have to use the Wayback Machine probably to go back to the, the time that we're referencing. Some of this some, stuff. For some of it. Right. But this is the very first point that anybody publicly mentions anything about Juan being distant. Mm. And not to the detriment of the project, everybody understands what's going on, right? I mean, you you burn out. I He's mean, the guy's been working on this thing break. since 2008. Yeah. So I get it. Take a break. But this is the first time it's publicly mentioned that I could find. Anyway, uh, the website also gets a revamp around this time. We couldn't get kind of a lock on when that was. But um, yeah, about this time, late 2015, the website gets a revamp. Um, you know, doesn't change a lot. But it gets a bit of a facelift. So it looks a little differently than it would uh, prior. Then 2016, April 3rd, Void is featured in a German language magazine, Linux user magazine, that leads with one of Void's core features. Speed. The very first thing outside of this is Void. Here is what it is. Here's the, you know, yeah. the tagline for whatever. The very first thing they talk about is how fast it is. Yep. And I think that stood the test of time. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the lightning yeah, lightning McQueen uh model there, right? I am speed. Ka-chow! Yeah, I yeah. am speed. Exactly. Then August thirty first, they enter the onion. <laughs> <laughs> so there are onion sites now if you want the void repositories, but you want to use Tor through the Torsox command. So That's cool. I, I love this. I mean, to be honest with you. This is the kind of thing that if I had been searching for a customizable distro from the very get-go, I think Void would have been it. I think had I known about it in 2016, had I been paying attention and had I had a need for it, it would have been a no-brainer to have gone with Void at this point. So, ah, man, just really cool decisions, really cool things that are happening in Void. It just more and more makes me, makes me think. Um, Void's nice. This is really yeah, nice. It is nice. So September 17th, they add ARCH64 support. So you had it before. You just had to compile everything yourself. Now, right. again, as with the muscle ISOs, you now have an ARCH64, uh, the, the way that you yeah, can install image. it. And, yeah. and they, can, uh, they can thank Leah uh, Newkerchen and Duncan Overbrook for all of the work on the AR64 uh, support back in 2016. So thank you yeah, for that. Yeah, thank you. 2017. Now we kind of start going the other direction, and the big decisions in Void have pretty much been made. We know what Void is about now. Yep. We know what its major goals are. And development, as, as, as far as you know, changing things goes, kind of cools down. So April 1st. On April Fools, no less, they announced user input is wanted and needed. So I would have waited to April 2nd because they already have a history of making jokes on the 1st. Just kidding. Don't, don't need your input. Never mind. Yeah, like March, <laughs> March 31st, April 2nd, whatever. But <laughs> nah. so it, it, it kind of, when I read that, I was like, 
They're not joking, are maybe, they? Maybe you could have picked a better day, but yeah, I get you. Right, but it wasn't. It wasn't a joke at all. Turns out that some of that user feedback centered around Flatpak. So sure. on April 14th, Void merges Flatpak into the repository with support for both glibc and muscle builds. So no matter which installation path you choose, you're able to use Flatpak and all of the amazing apps that come along with it. Well, I guess in 2017, that were fewer than there are today, but still, yeah. well, I mean, you it could feels take like advantage. earlier days for sure, earlier days of, of Flatpak. So, you know, obviously a lot less to choose from probably, right? Right. So this though, so DistroWatch picked them up a few years ago, but this is the first time that DistroWatch actually wrote yep. about Void Linux. So that's really kind of nice. And then you can kind of see this really is the point. Where So 2014 was all the major decisions, all the big changing, all of the shifting was happening. 2017 is really kind of the year where Void starts to take, lo- take off as far as popularity goes. So in, 20- in September 2018, Michael Aldridge does go out and does mention that Juan is taking a step back to focus on life. And, I mean, in the nicest way possible as well, too. Um, so I think this is really the first point where I think even the wider folks, the, the, the people that are involved in void, they've, they've had suspicions and things like that. But I think this was really kind of at the point where we kind of see the writing on the wall. We're just not sure when or if it's going to happen. Right. But put that on the back burner for just a minute. Uh, the advent calendar. (laughs) Now this is this is so, kind of cool, although a I love bit, this, right? right? So, if you care about uh, terminal applications, dealing with ASCII art, playing around with just the terminal in general, anything like that, if mm-hmm. you like to spend your time in the terminal, this is right up your alley. So, from December first to December twenty fourth, and in this case twenty fifth, there is something uh, that folks that deal with Christmas in general. Uh, deal. They 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 mess with the advent calendar, which yep. is every single day. There's something new. So December first is the first day of the advent calendar, and I kind of appreciated this one. It was G Cal, and uh, so every every day of the advent, they pick a new terminal application and kind of talk about it. So I picked some of the some of the highlights. I think, think so G Cal. Yes. Yeah, and GCal was one of them. And my favorite thing is that obviously we know what Cal is. If you're right. dealing with a terminal a lot, you need to look at a calendar. Cal just shows you a calendar. But GCal takes that further and allows you to do things like check out the moon phase on a certain day, complete with ASCII art that represents the phase of the moon. That's, like, that's, ah, that's that, super cool. That's that is super cool. I now have a use for my Raspberry Pi one. Yeah, just run that once a day at midnight, pipe it out to a screen so that I can. Number one, my wife digs that kind of thing, but yeah. number two, I dig the terminal. So that's just the way that that you is can cool. Just, best of both worlds, right there. So GCal, fantastic. And this is something they came out with in 2017 that I just feel like it's really interesting. Anyway, so uh, December 13th, they do NCDU, which had, had that's, made the that's rounds. That's one of my favorites right there. Oh, it is. It is. So it's an in-curses disk utility that essentially 
shows you graphical disk usage output. And by graphical, I mean in the terminal, yes. but graphical. So it, it's you can not... kind of navigate around a little bit, too, with it, with the arrow exactly. keys and stuff. So it, it's a pretty slick tool if you've not ever tried it. Right. So if, if you're in the terminal, but you want to use your, uh, you, you want to get some disk usage information, but you still kind of want to be able to poke at it and, yeah. and ask it questions and things like that, try NCDU. It's by now, it's in every repository oh, ever. Sure. Well, and if you find that big file that you want to get rid of, you can hit the D button and it'll delete it right out of your face. Exactly. Exactly. So it'll tell you everything. 2018. This is the year of the void Linux sad. Um, <laughs> yeah, so bear with me on this one. Uh, but we'll start with, with uh, a, a Carry, bit of a funny Carrying bit. on the theme from, from December 25th. Yeah, so April 1st, again, uh, so note that, uh, My Little Void version of Void Linux based on the My Little Pony TV show. Yay! So just in case, at least for one day only, you could go and uh, get yourself My Little Pony version, right? That, that goes straight <laughs> in with the... Um, the Brebian, Bieber, Bebian, whatever. Bebian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, May 1st. This is really what I mean by the, the year of the Void Linux. Yeah, set. this is dun dun dun. May 1st is the first time the project as a whole has acknowledged that Juan is gone. He's not around to answer questions. He's not updating packages. He's not communicating with the team. He's not able to log in. They're not able to add additional maintainers. Just gone. Incommunicado. Yep. The GitHub organization, the Freenode IRC channels, the domains, everything is just question mark. Users are told to go to the forum, to go to Twitter, to use IRC, but no one. So if you're not able to get, a, get, get help or anything else from there, then you're out of luck. So May 2nd, they do get the IRC channel back. Now, when we say Freenode, remember, not this today's Freenode. This is before free the node. kerfuffle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not today's Freenode. Oh, There's my a different goodness. Free don't node. go there anymore. Previous Freenode. <laughs> they were able to get all the channels back and um you know get op status again and all that kind of fun stuff so they can bring in people and do all that right so the irc is good then june 3rd there is a acknowledgement that the github organization is stagnant stale and will be abandoned Oof. so we're talking github.com slash void linux so what do they do they move to github.com slash void dash linux Seems like a natural pro progression to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, voidlinux.eu, that's the thing that was in limbo. So they purchase voidlinux.org in preparation for, unless somehow Juan just pops back out and is like, hey guys, sorry, here's the keys yeah. to the kingdom. Um, they're just getting ready for a move. Then on June 15th, everything has been ported over. Uh, GitHub.com slash void dash Linux is now ready to use. And all the void Linux stuff is now starting to point to it. July 6th, the first use of Terraform for GitHub permissions for increased transparency, right? So they've been burned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they know that, anymore. that it can't be a uh, benevolent dictator for life kind of thing because yep. they just got burned by it. So in preparation for a not 
that situation. Transparency is paramount. So July 6th, that happens. Uh, Fast forward to September 9th. The default repository addresses have updated to match the new domain. So if you were running updates, you were getting voidlinux.eu or other things that pointed to that. Now everything's voidlinux.org. So I think it's this. This is the final admission. Yep. This is where we've we've done the cutoff. Yeah. And I don't have this. I don't have this particular thing linked here. But at this point, I think it's it's you. You have to say that um, a lot of the folks that were working on Void were dismayed by this, but that they didn't want to let down the people that were already using Void Linux. They didn't have to go to the forum all the time. They didn't have to read the website all the time. But when you when you download and install a distribution, you kind of expect that distribution to be there next year. Yeah. And, I mean, kind of honestly, you want to kind of ride it into the sunset until yeah. the yeah. hardware breaks, the disk breaks, or you just get tired of it. And that was the commitment that I think the remaining maintainers decided that they were going to provide to everybody regardless. Of course, you had to figure things out. You had to be in tune with some of the changes that were being made so that you could make good decisions about where to go to ask questions and yeah. things like that. But, well, let's, but let's face it, fairly technical distro. So having technical decisions like that probably aren't, you know, beyond the user base well of course yeah of course right yeah exactly i mean i mean uh, i would i would imagine a good fraction of the user base was probably compiling this stuff a lot so yeah so this know, was, up until yeah. up until there were muscle isos um those people were compiling everything yeah so so yeah um they made a huge effort and it paid off um until until november 5th when the forums died Um, and, but, but it was a bit of a blessing in disguise. I'm not saying that there weren't people running around with their hair on fire, which I'm sure there were. Um, but the decision to create instead of a forum, at least for, you know, the, the frequently asked questions, a dedicated doc site was made. So if you go to void Linux and you look up the docs, this November 5th was its inception. And and so, and so they call it the handbook, and it is really good. No, I, I I think it's one of the better. It, it's not maybe not as full as say like the Arch Wiki, but like what you find in there for information is um mostly specific to Void, but really good detail. Yeah, apps. I mean, I think your existing Linux knowledge will complement yeah. the Void Linux handbook. Mm-hmm very well i think so and then for everything else there really is the arch wiki so yeah, well there's the gen 2 wiki that's also very good too of course um you know there's a few of them around right but um for anything that's specific to void you know and and being different from something else this is excellent yep absolutely so anyway november 28th michael aldridge writes a better post mortem so after everything, after all the dust settled, um, this is really kind of where you can read mm-hmm. what was going on. That happened November 28th. And then as if nothing happened and no beats were skipped, the Advent, Advent calendar makes a return. December 24th um, was not a choice of an application. 
But I felt like I had to point out that uh, Michael Aldridge wrote a poem, a Linuxy, voidy, Christmassy poem. And I feel like it's part of the lore at this point. So I took out a little excerpt okay. of it. So if, okay. you're, if you're familiar with uh, Christmassy poems in the first place, you'll know this one. When all through the cluster, not a build was running, not even a rev bump. The packages were all signed by the server with care in hopes that an upgrade soon would be there. The maintainers were nestled all snug in their desks while visions of waterfalls danced in their heads. And Gotox in his home and I in mine had just settled our brains for a long winter break when out on the front ends there arose such a clatter. I sprang to my terminal to see what was the matter. Anyway, I'll stop it there. No, but that's really cool. Go read the rest of it. Well, I'm and like... uh, yeah, there's a link. There's a link in the show notes. Go read the rest of it because this episode is going to drop right about Christmas time. So it's going to be a perfect one to listen to right about now. Very appropriate. So, yeah, I think so. Um, so uh, Michael Aldridge mentions uh, or notes that he's no poet. But oh, I, I think he did an excellent job. He, <laughs> I don't know who he, he imposter syndrome, you know, put that aside. This yeah. is good. Nope, you're a poet. That's it's it's already been decided. We have deemed you a poet now yep. and forever. We took a vote. There's two of us, and uh, you know, it's two. It, it was unanimous as far yep. as we're concerned. Yeah. So 2019, after after the advent calendar, February 12th, Void Linux EU domain was purchased by a separate party and no longer in Void Linux's control. They asked for the domain to be transferred, but to no avail. Then a new homepage in April 1st. April 1st. Just repeat mm. that. April 1st. A new homepage <laughs> that looks just like the Arch Wiki. This is my favorite. April Fool's joke because they take the ArchWiki A mm -hmm. and they flip it upside down to a V. Nice. Yes. Ah, uh, so That's the link funny. is there. Go look at it. It's it's hilarious. I I think it's it's worth it. especially if you have any kind of attachment to Arch, have even slightly considered Void. It's good for a laugh. Yep. And in 2020, April 24th, an opinionated but slightly official because it's on the voidlinux.org website post-mortem of the disappearance of Juan in 2018. So uh, th this is the official, I guess you could say. Um, Void Linux, where did he go? Why did he go? What's going on? What's the future? How is it going? This was all pinned by, again, Michael Aldridge, but this was the first real official acknowledgement that what's done is done, and we've made the decisions we've made, and we're moving forward, and that's, that's just the moving. way that it's going to be. Yeah. Stick with us or don't. And uh, I think it was very well written. I think it was good, and I think they came out the other end. I think so. Very good. Yeah, I think so. So we mentioned a while back that Heartbleed, blah, 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 OpenSSL, they moved to LibreSSL. Well, along with Gen2 and Alpine, mm -hmm. they make the switch back. Yep. So, yes, Libra SSL and the Suckless project in general are amazing projects. They are. But pretty much everybody supports OpenSSL. Yeah, that's the that's the de facto standard. Yeah, so for 
For however much you wanted LibreSSL to be in Void Linux, it just couldn't be because the maintainers needed that time that they were using to get LibreSSL to support additional architectures. Um, like they, they were messing with ARM 6 and ARM 7. That needed to be available there too. Yeah. Um, they needed to do extra work to get TLS 1.3. Actually, I don't even think TLS 1.3 ever made it to LibreSSL by the time they made this decision. Yeah, I don't know. So they needed it to support 1.3 and it didn't. And that's becoming pretty, pretty standard now too. Right. And so there were additional patches that were required to make an OpenSSL, um, or LibreSSL compatible with right. OpenSSL things that were dependent on that. So it was just a lot of work that I don't think they needed to do, but they wanted to do in the beginning. And they realized it was just time better spent elsewhere. So instead they moved back to open SSL, which I mean, I get it. Yeah. But also during Heartbleed, the one guy that was working on open SSL got a bit of cash as well as a few people that wanted to make sure that the internet didn't break again yeah. you know yeah exactly you know that that kind of thing so yeah i think open ssl had matured quite a bit to the point where both void was comfortable basing again on it and um just continuing on so march 27th uh pull mall that's jürgen buchmuller passes and void mourns he was a prolific contributor, especially to GCC with, within the project. And he gave him some cash, too. So, from that particular article, he was not only a dedicated and driven developer in the Void Linux project, he also was one of the friendliest and warmest people we had the pleasure to work with. Jürgen will be missed as a steady force and a calm and wise voice in discussion. Most of all, he'll be remembered as a friend to all of us. Then May 21st, another free node bites the dust. Mm. We talked about it a bunch of times, and today is the day. Void moves to LiberaChat. Good choice. I mean, who saw that coming? Yeah, yeah everybody. <laughs> everybody saw that coming. Uh, May 26th, um, in, in file this under, I really didn't see that coming. The Void free node channels were hijacked. Huh. Well, so this happened a bit too, to, so yeah. Yeah, so if you go to if you go to Freenode and then go to Void Linux, that ain't Void Linux. Right. So, yeah, there's a few uh, others that are in the same boat too, so maybe don't go there either. Yeah. yeah don't. <laughs> September 3rd, DigitalOcean keeps the ship sailing with a renewal of the Void Linux sponsorship, which means a lot of their back-end infrastructure is taken care of and they can just keep doing what they do best, which is putting together Void Linux. Nice. Then, September 23rd, and I believe this is still ongoing. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. A call for maintainership is issued. Specifically, in this case, it was for Hacktoberfest 2021. Obviously, uh, in, in, in this, mm -hmm. uh, this year, it's their fifth year, but I don't think it's over. I don't think it's ever so over. If you... uh, as somebody that's part of an open source project, right, and right. a distribution... It's it's never over. You're you're always seeking, you know, assistance where you can. You can always use an extra hand, no matter if that's updating documentation or if that's packaging the most important and most downloaded package of void Linux of all time. Yep. Anywhere from start to finish yep. or in between. Support, testing, they're they're all needed. Every single bit yep. of it. 
If you've got a technical bone in your body, they can use it. So if you are curious or just want to get involved, go check them out, voidlinux.org. Dan, you mentioned something that happened this month. It was the wreath. Yes. The wreath. So you did. You also mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Go there. Go check it out. Put your mouse over the wreath. It's just cute. It is cute. That happens in uh, for a few Decembers. I couldn't figure out when it started. I couldn't but... tell how many they've done it before either, but I, I I did see note that they said they've done this in years past. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hey, bring it back. It was cool. Yep. Yep. So the wreath does a little does a little spin for you. And it's just nice. It, it is it's cool. nice. But that's it. We've made it to the end of the history as we see it. Yep. So one thing I don't normally do, um, and I think it was brought on especially by this particular historical deep dive, is do you know something that happened in Void Linux history that we didn't cover? And that there's some things that we skipped over, obviously, for time, but uh, so I'm thinking yeah. like big things that we just didn't get to. Well, and if because... you, you personally know more of the history than we do or we could find, right? Like, please let us yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Now to the point that I hope everybody's been waiting for. Yeah. Dan. Yes, sir. How'd you get along with it? I I actually really enjoyed this. Like I said, it was a month-long um, exploration for me. Never, mm-hmm. ha- you know, having any exposure at all. Um, so I, I did a little research, and and uh, I didn't have to do a lot. Um, or I didn't have to go too far to find information. Because like I said, the, the handbook was very helpful for me. Um, I, I, I jumped right into it and, and grabbed the XFCE image and uh, gave that a spin. Um, and uh, walked through the, the NCURSES installer. Um, so I'll, I'll say this isn't for a beginner, right? This, yeah. This is for somebody that's <laughs> a little bit more seasoned. And you if you've been around a little bit you probably have an idea of what you're doing um but you you're going to need to know how to lay out your your partitions and whatnot and be able to set those up um so it kind of had a little bit of an arch vibe but it's a little easier because it's end curses so it had that slackware vibe you know yeah. so um somewhere that, that between was... all of that is where this felt like that was the thing that got me is mm-hmm. I remember my first real foray into Linux and it was Slackware. And that all came rushing back when I started that installer. Mm-hmm. And yep. I, I feel like the installer was really good because it was, it well, was it step right through. by step yep. by step. Well, you, you could kind of decide the steps a little sort bit, sort of, but I mean, really like once you were done with step one, it would smack you down to step yep. two and you would click enter and do the thing. And then it'd put you to three and click enter and do the thing. But that reminded me a lot of the process of going through Slackware and making it work and going through right. that whole thing. I, so I, agree. I very much appreciated it. Yeah. I, I think Slackware, the last time I did it, from what I remember, I feel like there's a few more steps potentially with Slackware, but it's the same mm-hmm. process, right? I mean, you're, you're just stepping right through oh, yeah. and, and, and following, following along. And it wasn't terrible. I mean, if you 
the the trickiest part, like I said, was the disk partitioning. And if you've got that down, or at least an idea of how you you know you want it, um, after that it's it's it goes pretty smooth. Yeah. And yep, uh, so I I did use the XFCE um, live image, which also maybe that's a little more comforting for some folks, in that you aren't just you know you don't just land right in a terminal session. So I mean yeah. you know having that familiar thing you could you know pull up um firefox and look at the manual and and whatnot while you're doing the install so you can step right. your way through it right so that's kind of nice and, and you know you could do it all in the one machine well um, I, in in my defense i had a computer in front of me as well, you well could as do it my that laptop way too. while i was well, doing well, it sure but, but not everybody has that right right exactly exactly and so i i think it was good um so i did that ran with that for a little bit but I really wanted to experience the the void, um, ex, you know, the the whole experience. Yeah. So I dumped that and I started over and I did the, uh, you know, the the base installer, did glibc, um, and I chose LXQ, which is my favorite, obviously. But um, this is the first time I've ever done that on the show, so for for me. It was kind of nice. It felt very comfortable. And so mm -hmm. I also added in KWIN for my compositor and, and, you know, window manager and, you know, all of that all in one, which normally LXQ would come with like open box and then you'd have to add on PyCom or Compton or whatever to do your compositing. But right. I chose KWIN, which is cool in its own sense, right? So that was nice. And LXQ, it's very current. It's the latest version. It's 1.0.0, which is like the last, you know, that's just released like a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that was nice. That was, that felt good. And uh, yeah, so that, that went well. I did um, use some flat packs for things like Discord. Um, I installed as a flat pack because that's just not available. But, um, you know, they've got an, a pretty current telegram from what i remember i don't think that was too far out of date i installed that out of the out of the repo and that seems pretty current most most things actually seem very up to date as far as packages mm -hmm. um so that was nice um and then i did uh the xbps source stuff and so basically yeah th this is what i was more more interested in i think uh yeah. someone had mentioned that you can get discord from uh from the xbps source yeah i didn't try that i didn't you know just because i knew Flatpak was easy and that was one of the things i want to get going kind of quick and i so so xbps source would you say you can liken that a lot to the bsd package source commands where you can you know, pull down that whole tree and decide what software you want and then kind of compile that and install it to your system? Yeah, I, I guess so. So you really what you're pulling down is is a templates. Uh, you're pulling down all of the templates from their repo, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's and how package source works. Yep. yep. It is. Uh, but it's still very AUR-like in, in that it's it's just a, a recipe where yeah. it is going to build those those things. And you can add your own and they, they even tell you how to do it in in the uh handbook i did a couple of packages that way i want to say i did like bpytop was probably one of them oh. and maybe not i don't know i don't remember what i did but i know i tested a couple just to test it out and it was really slick it went really smooth it didn't clutter up your your 
everything with you know pollute your system with all of your build stuff yeah kind of kept it all confined and you were able to install it from basically now that's your repository and so you you can install you just like the command basically points it there um like it's your repository and it installs it from there just like any other package and so that was kind of slick it was really neat yeah um I even went even further, right? And so I installed it with Pipewire, which is, you know, very new oh. audio, right? Yeah, you went further than I did. All right. I, I did. I, I didn't didn't mess with uh, Pulse Audio at all or anything like that. Used Pipewire. And then um, I I went and found uh, the Flatpak. Well, I mean, it's like the build script for the Flatpak that's Helvum. Album, I think that's how you say it. It okay. is the uh, patch bay thing for Pipewire, basically. Oh, I forget what it is, what what it's called for. Uh, um, it'd be like Carla, I guess. Ca- yeah, yeah. They all start with like Katarina, Carla, and all yep. that. Whatever. So, There's a bunch of different applications that, that go together. That's not in FlatHub, um, but they give you the tools basically, so you do a flat pack build and you build the flat pack and you install it to your system that way and so i did that too and yeah that was all super duper fun i explored a couple of things explored void and i don't know i don't know i had a really good experience but i do have a couple of like i won't even call them issues to be honest with you because it was just it was things that made me go huh so 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 you did the xfce version i started with the xfce version okay and you know to back up for a sec i agree with you dan it is not for a new user. It is it not. Is, I would say if so the, you are thinking about going arch the arch way, yep. then you're fine to go void right. the void way. Because well, the know, other what, thing I had to learn is run it, right? No, I've, I've never uh, used run it. I've so, got more to talk about about that. So that too, was the yeah. other thing I had to learn, and I'll let you. I'll let you speak to that because you learned it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you have to, right? I mean, if you want things like Bluetooth to work, you have to, right? So, all right. So, so let me let me start off by saying the first thing that I do is pop open the browser and start searching. Right after initial updates, which are what XBPS dash install dash S capital S yeah you right right. Well, you yeah. can do the Y as well. Why just as a con- confirmation, right? Well, yeah, but everybody does Pac-Man SYU. I'm not that brave. I'm, well, I'm, I'm SU, look them over, click enter. That's, that's me. So no, no why for me. So anyway, so you can do the why if you want to, but I don't. Um, so, you know, after that, I pop open Firefox and immediately I realize this doesn't look right. What is this? And then <laughs> I find out it's Firefox ESR. ESR so they ship yeah. with ESR and that's fine. But there's some really big performance gains that you get with the newer versions of Firefox. So, you know, I hop in the terminal, XBPS install yep. S Firefox, and it's like Which uh-uh. they had. They had they had the regular Firefox there. It's there. But it was like but it was like uh-uh. And I'm like, yeah. what? So I read the message and it says they're incompatible. Yeah, you can't have them both. So if you were to like leave Firefox ESR installed through XBPS and then go and add Firefox through the TarGZ from the website. Like you could totally do that, but right. XBPS is not going to allow it uh, both right. at the same time. So, Makes sense. Anyway, I think it's, uh, I mean, it seems to me that Firefox is a whole lot faster with the later version, so I go with the later one. Yeah, um, there's some nice features that it has, right? So, yeah, why not? Yep. Caden Live. Now, here's the thing, right? So I get that with Caden Live, you need FFmpeg and some other cool stuff to make it work. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that when installing Caden Live, 
Uh, actually, so so let me back up a little bit. I, I installed a bunch of software in one go. And okay. this is, again, why I don't just throw in the why in there because yeah, I like to look at stuff. <laughs> so I, I installed a, a, a laundry list of applications, and one that I didn't install was VLC. But yet, in that list of things that were going to get installed, VLC was there. So hmm. I whittle it down, and I figure out that Caden Live has VLC as a dependency. Well, that's interesting. And I just shrug my shoulders, and I'm like, why? I would have thought like, you know, one of the other libraries or something might have brought it along. Yeah, like or... like libav codec and ffmpeg. Yeah, one of those, right? Other things like that. Well, and, and here's the other thing. Um, for the most part, things I installed didn't bring along a whole lot of stuff. Well, true, very and, true. And, and for an example, I started with XFCE, right? It didn't even have the volume control bits. Right. I had to add that. That was not there. So that's proof that it lets you set it up the way you want. It comes very minimal, which I can appreciate because you might not want the XFCE volume control. You might want a different one or whatever. But you yeah, insert thing and you might want to substitute it for something else. So it gives you the choice to do it on your own. So the fact that it brought along VLC was something like Caden Live. That's really interesting. I mean, you do need to play your videos back exactly right so maybe that maybe that was the the, the thought process there but i and just thought fine. it was weird <laughs> so not a bad thing i just thought it was weird and uh so i thought about for a minute i thought about xbps source to mm. get discord but i ended up just using the web version so i just logged okay. in on the web used it in the browser and it worked just fine i wasn't planning on using it for any you know you know intense recording sessions or anything like that anyway uh, just for chat or whatever. So it was fine. I cheated uh, but in I the also, same direction, right? Because like, yeah. yeah, I just did flat pack install. Exactly. And and that that was an, uh, another thing. But so I decided to go to, to not use flat pack, at least for this month, um, just because I wanted to stay as close to the repos as possible. I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be as void as possible for, I, I, for my month. I think I tried to keep it as close as I could, but there was yeah. a couple of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. And then, okay, so the one thing, right, that I got, and this is both on XFCE and then later on Lumina and then even later on Plasma, Mm. that when you click log out and you confirm you want to log out, it should log out. Well, it didn't. Okay. On any of those three desktops. Well, that's very strange. It is very strange, and it could have been a fluke. It could have been a weird package. It could have been something. I don't know, but I don't feel like I added anything that, and I, I certainly didn't configure anything that dealt with desktop. And this was before I even installed on XFCE, at least before I installed additional desktops. It just wouldn't log out or it wouldn't huh. reboot. So I thought that was weird. But anyway, I that think is it was strange. kind of an important function. I didn't know why it worked. Why it didn't work? Well, I didn't uh, notice so, that. Just so you know. Yeah. Uh, so it could it could it could have totally just been me. I wonder if it was but, a hardware you know, related thing. It could have been. It very well could have been. So ThinkPad T four fifty S. I don't know maybe, but so my my go to for a little while was Control Alt F two and then sudo reboot. <laughs> so sure, I mean, you know. that works. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, but so here's the thing, right? So I had XFCE installed because that's what I installed it with. Uh, Use that ISO. 
I added the Lumina desktop because I know that that is a BSD favorite because mm-hmm. it is systemd independent and uh, base independent. You can run it on anything. And then I installed Plasma because I like missing Plasma. So everything stayed the same, right? I mean, it came with a few tools and things like that. But what I thought was funny was that I decided eventually that, okay, XFCE, I don't need it anymore. Lumina, I don't need it anymore. It was fun while it lasted. But after I had uninstalled those two desktops, log out and reboot work. Okay. All right. I mean, okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll take it. No big deal. Whatever. So that was fine. But here's another thing. So when I uninstalled the XFCE desktop, there are some things that I would have expected it to remove, but it doesn't. It actually just removes XFCE desktop and then it orphans the rest. And then you use mm. X, 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 um, XBPS. Uh, see, I can't type it. It's hard for me to type XBPS in the first place. I can't even say it. It's a apparently. tongue twister. Yeah. So, so you use XBPS to remove all your orphans as well. So this is like akin to the apt auto remove kind of thing, right? Yep. So when you don't need them anymore. So, but when I did That's that, cool. when I removed orphans, it tried to remove both FFmpeg and libav codec. So FFmpeg is a thing that translates all of the video files into whatever you want, yeah. and libav codec is the underlying H.264 codec that allows you to watch basically modern video. Mm-hmm. So. Why did those get orphaned when I got rid of XFCE? I do not understand that. <sighs> so Who knows? Weird. I don't know, but I just went back and installed them and it was fine. So yeah, I, everybody it, good. It yeah. didn't actually. And then, and then I rebooted and played video. I, I want to say I played some video and it, and it worked, but I just, those are just things that I need on most every system. So I just, I shoved them back in and they, and it was good. But just weird, weirdness. Anyways, I got those things back in. But one of the things that I could not shake was the feeling that the packages were fast. And by the way, I'm done. I'm done. That that was it. That was like all the weirdness that I had. That's not bad, Um, really. Nothing. Yeah, it was very stable. That that's actually my one big takeaway. Oh my goodness, I guess so. Yeah, is that it's stable as heck. It's it's very stable. I couldn't get the thing to crack, other than logout. I couldn't get the thing to behave in a way that I didn't like. So it was very nice. Anyway, but one one of the things that was very surprising to me, because we got lots of Arch by the wayers running around <laughs> saying that Arch is always, 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 um, you know, up to date. And I'm not saying that that's not true, because yeah. we're talking yeah, probably hours right. here. Right. But I noticed, I didn't go looking for it. I just noticed that Void Linux had kernel 5.15.8 before Arch Linux. As we're recording this, my Endeavor machine is on 5.15.7, my Void machine is on 5.15.8, and I confirmed right before I sat down that there were no updates available on each. Same with Telegram. Arch has 3.2.5, Void has 3.3. Wow. Just interesting little bits of Void is fast it is very very fast and i mean if if you if you listen uh or read uh essentially a lot of michael aldridge who's one of the 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 prominent folks that that deal with void is that's kind of the point i mean you're meant to do 
a lot of that stuff. It's meant to stay up to date, and that's really just kind of up to the maintainers, and they do a fantastic job. It's amazing. Of, that's a ton of work. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So besides the stability, besides pretty much like the most up-to-date packages that I could get my hands on and just a general good feeling about what mm-hmm. Void is, how it works, and just the ease of use of it. Again, again, you got to be a bit of, of at least intermediate Linux user to kind well, of really understand and get to that point. You get but, it installed and get it to a point, it's a lot easier even. And the one thing that I had to learn, like truly learn, was run it. And mm-hmm. so, Dan, you alluded to it before. Yep. And it's actually fairly simple. So, I mean, I'm, I'm used it to System D. Simple. I'm used to System Control enable the thing. Right. And then System Control start the thing. But this is fairly simple as well. So the way that this works is basically you install something or something is already installed for you. In In my case, it was Bluetooth. I needed to hook something up. and the service itself exists in Etsy SV. So uh, in my case, it was Bluetooth D. Mm-hmm. And all you need to do, so I guess the, the uh, essentially instead of system control enable, you would basically link the binary right. that, ex- that exists in Etsy SV, and then you would link that to var service. So essentially marking it as a service that you want to start on startup. Right. And that's it. Well, then it would start. Yeah, it it automatically starts up. Once you put it in there, Right. it automatically starts up. And and I had just recently learned that you can do that with system control. Uh, I I say recently, in the the past couple of months. So that was actually kind of nice that it did that as well. So, But but that's that's pretty much it. So I had to do that with Bluetooth. But you can start and stop services just like you can in any other, um, you know. Yeah, it's SV, right? Yeah, so it's SV. Right. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So exactly. That, that's so, another another thing. They they keep it simple for you, and it's not too far, you know, astray from from the other systems. Yeah, it reminded me of kind of SysV and it days it with is. service, whatever, start, service, whatever, stop. Yeah, it, it, it very much is like that. And, and really the only things that I had to start were Bluetooth D so I can get mm-hmm. my headphones on there and then TLP right. so that I could save some battery life. And that's, that's basically it. But well, I guess you know, having starting from scratch for me, um, I had a bunch of them that I had to do that with. Um, you know, obviously SDDM, uh, you know, my login manager that didn't do that automatically, so I had to do that, and then uh, had to link that to DBus, um, so that you know your your graphical, you know, session control mm-hmm. things do their bits. Um. I feel like there was a couple others too. So I, I did get to play around with that a little bit and it's definitely something you need to learn and, and get a handle on, but it wasn't that complicated that I couldn't figure it out. And the handbook yeah. was key. Yeah. Was key. The documentation is there. It tells you how to do it. Yeah. So if you're in doubt, just check it out and right. it'll tell you. So overall, what are you doing with it, Dan? What are you doing with it? So much like I really enjoyed my time when we did like Arco Linux. And when we did Arch, I enjoyed that too. I'm I'm keeping this around. Oh, well, I can't disagree with you. I'm keeping it too. But for a very specific reason, I have an Arch install and I have a Void install. And they both pride themselves on being 
you know, kind of first of the bunch as mm-hmm. far as packages go, as far as, you know, everything else. So it's now a competition. Sure. Which one's going to fail first? Well, and the one that fails first is the loser. It's out the door, <laughs> right? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. The Linux and open source community has some fantastic resources, and we want to make sure to highlight that. In our showcase for this episode, we want to draw your attention to Old Tech Bloke or the Old Tech Bloke YouTube channel. Uh, OTB is uh, similar to some of the other recent uh, YouTube channels that I've been recommending, but uh, I really want to highlight this one because you have an excellent uh, Boyd, uh, you know, video that sort of explained a lot of uh, the ins and outs that we we went over some of them, but I think the video helps a little bit. And um, you know, since we just did Void, I really want to really want to call him out. And he he's a longtime user, I think, of Void, or he's used it several times anyway in the past. So he's very informed with his um, video presentation. Um, have you checked this out, Leo? I have, and one of the ones that I watched, uh, it came out quite a while ago, and I say quite a while, it was a year ago, but is the Nix OS, mm. sometimes different, is brilliant uh, video mm-hmm. that he did that kind of gave me an itch to try Nix. I don't know why yep. I'm bringing that up. I'm, I don't, I don't well, know. I don't know why you would bring but, that up either. But either way, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. He's very yeah. informative. He goes through a yeah. lot of different things. Like, I mean, if you've ever wondered how to change your theme in Alacrity, yeah, your terminal emulator, he'll do that for you. Yep. He gave me the itch again uh, a couple of months ago to deal with Slackware 15. Hey, hey, it's not out yet. It's right. not out yet, which is why his video is Slackware 15-ish. But still... It's one of those things that, um, you know, I'll watch these videos every now and again, and it'll give me that itch to try something. And a couple of weeks ago, he just did Void Linux. Yep. So it kind of works out. Yeah, definitely. So he's got a a lot of information. He's he's a very smart guy. And his presentation is very good. He's very relaxed. Yes. I like that about it. He's a lot like you and I, I think. Yeah, just... Just here's some information in an entertaining format. So, yeah, I I agree. Check him out. He's really good stuff. Uh, Feel free to send your emails to contact at linuxuserspace.show, and uh, we'll try to get them in on the show. We love our patrons. Thank you, everyone, for all of your contributions. We truly appreciate your support. Uh, All of it. People like Bruno, who was here a little while ago but is now gone, get to listen to it live for being you know, in that top tier patron yes. range. And uh, if you want to see how the sausage is made, all the mistakes in real time, all yeah. that stuff. Right, right. Surprise, all of my blunders don't make it to the show. But um, yeah, if, if you want to see them in real time and make fun of me in Discord and, you know, I'll, I'll give you a cool little emoji link. Yep. <laughs> because I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of recording, whatever. But, you know, that, that kind of thing. Then, uh, yeah, come on in. Yeah, and, well, um, and you, you can chat with us and stuff, too, um, yep. a little bit uh, while we do the show live. So that's pretty fun, too. Mm-hmm. You can head on over to patreon.com slash linuxuserspace if you want to join. We have our matrix room. You can hop over to linuxuserspace.show slash matrix. We also have our Telegram group. Please join us at linuxuserspace.show. Slash Telegram 
to continue the conversation there. And if those aren't enough chat platforms for you, we also have our Discord server, linuxuserspace.show slash Discord. Please follow us on Twitter, at linuxuserspace, to get all the latest announcements for the show and for highlights for things that impact your user space. And you get to see great little conversations like we had about Flatback. You can watch our faces over on YouTube, linuxuserspace.show slash YouTube. It's the same show, but with faces. And our latest social edition is Reddit. You can find our subreddit, linuxuserspace.show slash Reddit. Don't forget, uh, we do this live stream thing now? We do. Every other Tuesday on the weeks that we release. Except for the one that this, this episode is going to happen because I got to do a Wednesday. <laughs> but Dan is right. It's the Tuesday, the day after a release. Yep. Normally. Normally. So, But you know what else you can do? You know what else you can do? You can go to <gasps> linuxuserspace.show slash Twitch and oh. subscribe there and you will get the notification when we go live. Yes. That's, that's probably the best way. That's the most reliable way to do it. So please join us every other Tuesday when we're live. Uh, lastly, don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application and like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and now Twitch. You can always get more information on our website, linuxuserspace.show. Time to focus. Focus them up. All right. I got the new glasses. They look oh, like the old yeah. glasses. You can't tell. But I can hey. see better now. Hey, that's better. Like, sometimes I forget what leaves look like. Right. And then I get the new glasses, and I'm like, oh, God, leaves. Wow. wow. They're individual and sharp. Well, you really got a monitor here, so um, yeah, very important. I mean, when you're looking at things, you want to have all the information possible. And this is this is the this is the way this is the way that you're going to do that. And it's I love it because every monitoring center is called monitoring center. <laughs> yeah. But this one is just called system monitoring center. And I got a link in the show notes. You need to go check it out because. All right. Here's the deal. Here's what you need to do. If you have a Windows machine, I know not all of you do, but if you do think of Windows Task Manager, right? You open that up, or if you have a Mac, think of the application monitor. Or if you have KDE Plasma, think of the Plasma system monitor, right? Mm -hmm. These applications have so much information jam-packed into them, like down to GPU that's being used in this current situation. It is insane, yeah. the amount of information that you are given with the system monitoring center. It, it, it's got so many bells and whistles and tabs and buttons to press. Well, scrolling, scrolling through here on the on the uh, GitHub page, I, yeah. I I almost wore out my mouse. I mean, j seriously, just go look at it. You have to go look at it. And for those of you on a Debian-based system, any of them, and a uh, Fedora Red Hat-based system, they have Debs and RPMs ready to go for you. It tells you everything you wanted to know about your CPU, right? Average usage, frequency, min-max frequency, CPU sockets, how many cores you got, what your architecture is, how much cache you're using, um, how many processes and threads there are, what your uptime is. Like, th this is 
the analog, if you don't have plasma system under, is the analog, the answer to the Windows Task Manager or the Mac Application Monitor. Mm-hmm. Those, I mean, like, it's got so much information in it. I cannot express to you in the amount of time that I have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he has a lot of time. How much? And I do. Like, we could just keep this going forever, but I mean, this is a long show. So, like, if you click on the GPU tab, it oh. will tell you your frame latency. It tells you the version of Mesa you got. It tells you whether you're direct rendering or not. It tells you whether or not this is your default GPU or not. Wow. I mean, sensors. You've got temperatures in there. It's got every every little sensor, bell, whistle thing. I swear, this has all of the answers that you need. I think they have a tab it. for kitchen sink. I think I saw that. I that kitchen sink is called Gnome Discs, and they basically have that in there so too. So they do. There it is. So check them out. It is uh, again the link in the show notes. I don't think it's probably in any repository. I think it's likely in the AUR by now. But it is. They have a they have a button for that. Yep. Check it out. Obviously, I don't bring things into uh, App Focus that I don't already use. So obviously, I use it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dan, what do you think? I am absolutely going to try this out because this looks cool. All right, that brings us to uh, next time. So we've been trying out Void for the whole entire month, and uh, now it's time to pick another distro. Spoiler, it's not Slackware because it's not released it's yet. Not ready yet. Uh, Dang it. We really want to try Slackware. So as I'm soon as ready. that just becomes available, we're going to jump on that probably for the next distro. And hopefully that's before the end of the season. I will be very sad, Dan. I will be very extremely sad. sad if that happens. I'm so excited for it. I need it to happen. We both I need are. I need the nostalgia in my life. Yeah, and well, it's going to have updated packages, so that's going to be great. Yeah. Um, but since that's not ready, we had to go to plan B or C or D or whatever that is. And uh we 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 picked a distro that is equally as bizarre as the last one. Um and maybe as bizarre as Slackware even a little bit. Um, and that's NixOS. It's reproducible. It's absolutely reproducible. If you need 7,000 machines to be mm. exactly the same. Cloned. This is, this is your distro. This is the one. <laughs> so this is more than a distro. This is a package management solution yes. as well, right? So oddly, you can in- use this. We talked about it in this show. You can use the package management system in other distros. So, I kind of feel like we were leading up to this after Void. Like it was, it well, was it inescapable like a, because it like of how, how like there's, there's these little things that get intertwined in between the two that it just <laughs> stuck in the back of my head. And We had and, a couple of moments anyway. Yeah. Um, so that'll be really interesting. And so we're interested in hearing, you know, if you try it out and how, how you make out and, you know, how it's going. So please let us know in Telegram, Matrix, Discord, email, you know, pick the thing. Yeah. Let us know. Um, so, and since we've been trying out Void for the last month, that also means our next show will be topic-based. We'll be sure to bring, you know, maybe some browser watch and good things like that. And, uh, yeah, we we have a few topics that we've kind of picked up on. Anyway, there's there's always news. 
we tend to throw it out there. So if yeah, there's something the that you- hat. May or may not make an appearance. I don't know. It, it may or may not. If there's something that you want to hear us talk about on the show, please let us know, and uh, we'll try to get it in the show. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening and for your support. So, Dan, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at Casey2BZ on Twitter. And you can find me at Leo Chavez on Twitter as well. You can find the show at Linux User Space. Of course. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space. Then you can say OpenWRT has access to your router, watching all your secrets at home. Yes, OpenWRT does have access to your router because they write the software. You just trust them. And the second thing is OpenWRT is not immune to supply chain attacks. So you could end up in a situation where, yes, malicious actors through OpenWRT do have access to your router. It happens all the time with routers. All the I time. know that I'm being exceptionally tinfoil hatty about this. No, but no. But yes, yes. No, it happens and then all the time. Which one was it? It was one of the big boys had a problem not that long ago um, where they had a back door that was like wide open. Micro tick over and over and over and over again. Um, but I, I did appreciate MW Leads because I asked stupid questions and he answered me anyway. And I appreciate that. Yeah, it was good. Uh, uh, good clarification. Let me see. So I'm, I'm very, I'm excited uh, for Flatpak to. Well, once everybody decides that portals is something that they want to actually make happen, then that totally um, makes sense. Right, right. I mean, right, I- exactly. So I'm, I'm cool to talk about that. I'm happy to make that course correction. <laughs> 